1: So you've moved. I have moved. I'm coming at you. Hopefully the space isn't too echoey on the recording. Uh nothing is set up yet. It's a much bigger space. Um but you know I figured this podcast is making tons of money now. Mm-hmm. Um we're just raking it in with all of the money that we're getting from doing the show. At, so I figured why not let's I'm going to bite the bullet and I'm going to I'm going to buy what is almost certainly going to be the most expensive thing I will ever buy in my entire life, which would be a house. So I have a house. And by when I say I buy, I mean, Emily bought it because the the bank did not want to take my YouTuber money. They were like, that's not a real job. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, boy. I had the same problem. Um.
0: Yeah. where anytime you try to do anything when it comes to like loaning like anything that has to do with collateral or needing verification like like I, I this came up when looking for a place to rent too anytime mm-hmm. somebody asks you what your job is you have to be like yeah. all right
1: sit down uh it's going to take 5 minutes um I and- promise you it's a real job I promise you I make money they did not care she <laughs> did not care even a little bit that's the life of being a uh in a new industry that had that didn't exist when we were children. But here's the thing, Tristan. I'm coming at you live. I'm coming at you from a uh, high-speed fiber optic internet oh, right now. Me too. I got fiber optic too. Uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this is now a high fiber podcast. It is. It's the you brand listen muffin to this of podcast. podcast. <laughs> you listen to this podcast to keep you regular. That's what we're about on this show. Welcome to the metamucil cast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this music slides
1: means... in and out of you like That's right. <laughs> That's right. in and out uh nice and smooth. We are going to I mean, I feel like our our banter is going to be quicker. We don't have to wait on each you know, the, the slow speeds of the internet, you know, uh, I say a joke, it takes you a couple seconds to respond and laugh and then we move on. You know, now I'm going to tell a joke and you're going to start laughing before I even finish the the punchline. That's how fast the internet connection is going to be. It's like, it's transcending time. Mm-hmm. It knows what I'm going to say before I say it. I agree, and also doubly so, because that
0: is the reason why uh, it would take me so long to laugh.
1: Yeah, it was only because of the internet connection and not because of my jokes being less than stellar. It was just the internet. Yep. All right. We got to fix the internet. That was a bit of a long pause. Maybe we got to reboot the router or something here. Um, Let's do the podcast. Let's see how this high fiber podcast comes together.
0: Yes. Hi, this is the brand
1: cast. Um, This is the whole wheat cast. This is the whole wheat cast just for adults. Just, it's, it's like when you go to IHOP and you get the, and you get the pancakes that are just for older people, you know, like the, it'll be like the whole, the whole wheat brand nut pancakes. And that's, that's what this podcast is. Yep. Now that we're both in our thirties,
0: whole wheat is (laughs) important to us.
1: (laughs) We need it. Oh, I know. Uh, this is a podcast called "It's Probably Not Aliens," mm-hmm. and uh, we are we we take a look at ancient aliens and uh, ancient astronaut theory, and we look at their claims while also uh, mostly debunking them, and really just learning about the really cool history behind the real life people, places, things, time periods, all this cool stuff. We learn yeah. a lot, uh, and it's not because of me. My name is Scott Nice Wander. I know nothing. I come into this podcast. Um well, normally I say like a fresh, a fresh baby boy, but I think we've established multiple times in this intro that I am not a baby boy. I'm an, I'm an ancient soul. You're, you're, uh, you're a baby to your 30s, and the, your 30s. The, that's this, true. This is the
0: trick is that uh, as a person who will be turning 35 this year, that your 30s is a new phase of life, and so you're kind of a baby mm. to the new, to being a
1: full established grown up. That's that's true. I'm a baby 30 year old. That's fair. So wise. So wise. <laughs> From the ancient 30 year old over there. Yeah, uh, uh, um probably should say your name though. I did say my name. Oh, I said my name is I'm Scott Tristan, and I
0: remember things that happened ten seconds ago, apparently. Um I'm Tristan Johnson and I uh do the thing where I look up stuff and spiral until somehow an episode comes out of my episode glands. It's it's uh it's a painful they,
1: process, but we yeah, we've not recorded in a week. Those glands have been backed up. So yeah, it's
0: true. Oof, lots of content coming out today. Uh um, um, yeah, because you've been moving.
1: I've been moving. That's why I'm, we're late on things. So apologies for late episodes these last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. We're getting it back together. Yeah. Getting the band back together. Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk- Speaking to, of bands- Yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about the Foo Fighters today, uh, which is yeah. uh, a thing that people have probably- This is an interesting, an interesting case of uh, where something named after the Foo Fighters has since become more popular than the actual phenomenon it's named after. So yeah, um, we have to start by uh, inevitably getting out of the way that we're talking about the Foo Fighters today, and it's not the band. But I'm going to talk a little bit about the band so that we can get in before yes, uh, approximately the entire internet tells us about the Foo Fighters band. Um, Please do so yes for those who don't know the foo fighters the band is a band that was started by dave Grohl, who was the drummer for nirvana um and then in april of 1994 uh there was an abrupt um breakup of the group for uh-huh. for reasons that for are for
1: reasons for for
0: interesting reasons that have to do with the uh, abrupt exiting of the band by um the head kurt cobain um <laughs> that's a way to put it yeah yeah <laughs> uh and so after that uh dave groll's Started his own project. It was sort of a solo musical thing as a way to sort of deal with the loss of his friend. Because yeah, I, I realize now that 1994 is long enough ago that like, who am I even who am I even shooting? Neither of us remember 1994, but um.
1: No, it was almost 30 years ago. But
0: it was recent history when we were kids. So enough that it stuck in our head. But there are people now, there are like, you know, zoomers who probably might not even know who Kurt Cobain was. So Kurt Cobain was a very popular singer who um, committed suicide in 1994. Uh, That's sort of the thing that I was dancing around there. Uh, So Dave uh, recorded a bunch of songs to sort of deal with his grief as a solo project. And for his first album, he literally recorded every single instrument on his own
1: with the exception of like one little guitar spot. Wow. I didn't know that. And also did this in less than a week. Okay. Well, you don't have to make me feel bad about my accomplishments, Dave Grohl. Well, well,
0: if you're going to be a always comparing yourself to Dave girl you'll be uh, you're gonna yeah. always be disappointed um, but apparently he was uh, a big UFO head and was um, really into reading stuff about UFOs so when he made his debut album for this what he thought was going to be a temporary one-man solo project right like just like a one-off thing he mm-hmm. called his band the Foo Fighters sort of as a as a gaffe because he basically uh, thought that the band would only last for about a month and a half so he named it what he quoted as the dumbest band name ever that's funny uh, and now it's it's now more associated with Dave Grohl and the band than like the actual thing right. that we're going to talk about today
1: <laughs> yeah I here's the thing I know foo. I know people love Foo Fighters I know one song from Foo Fighters and it's probably not their most popular one it's just a song that I listened to on repeat in the year 2000 uh, and I did look it up just to make sure that it was even a little bit popular Um, but it was it's the Song breakout. I like that song a lot. Is good. Do you know any songs from Foo Fighters? No, but Foo Fighters is one of those bands where um cuz I tried listening
0: to it a little bit before. It's one of those things where like you have you have heard the Foo Fighters by Osmosis. Um it's oh yeah, That's it's what that I feel song like. by that yeah. guy. Yeah. Um like their biggest song is Everlong,
1: which if you just hear the opening guitar chords you're like, "Oh, yeah, it's that song." Okay. I'm sure there is that. I'm sure if people play me some some hit songs from the Foo Fighters. I I'd be like, oh no, I do know this one. Mm-hmm. They are, but they are perpetually
0: uh, a band that has songs that are reasonably popular. That you're like, oh, oh, it's that. Okay, um, that song uh, that you had heard but never really thought too much about. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, now some real Foo Fighter fans are going to be uh, up in arms over
1: that. People one. are going to hate <laughs> us. Um, let's talk about the alien versions. Yes.
0: So here's the whole thing with the Foo Fighters.
1: Um, the, 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 Yeah, what is Foo Fighters? I don't, I've never understood. When I was a kid and I heard Foo Fighters, I thought they were missing a D and I thought it was Food Fighters. Like a food fight, like you'd get it in the movie Max Keeble, mm-hmm. like you'd get a bit of some food fighting. But no, it's Foo Fighter. I don't yeah. know what that means. Everybody Kristen. loves Teach Kung Me Foo
0: Fighters. Um, okay. But it's F O O. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Not so F U. Basically, what it was is that uh during World War II, there were reports by military pilots of seeing strange lights and objects in the sky. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that they were either some form of advanced World War II technology, so we're kind of following up directly on last week's episode. Uh-huh. Uh, but also the theory that these are uh mysterious extraterrestrials, which uh Ooh. is an interesting prospect because uh it was seen on both sides of the war. So we have reports from the Germans and Japanese seeing uh foo fighters as well. And gotcha. And also it um it's sort of like because, you know, 1947 is Roswell, it's right before the big UFO explosion. So What's going on here? Uh,
1: what, uh, what what is going on here?
0: What is a foo fighter? Uh, and you know, this became a big deal. People were trying to figure out what they were, and eventually, they ended up, you know, getting up, called foo fighters. And the debate went on for decades about what these things actually are. So uh, here's here's the claim: the claim that Hit me with it. foo fighters stick out as being strange because they behave unnaturally. They had characteristics not consistent with aircraft or technology at the time, like high speed un unusual maneuvers and the ability to change their shape or color. Um people were not able to identify or explain Ooh. what they were. The mil- the military never actually came to a conclusion as to what they were, which makes people think that they might be aliens. Alien. Uh also they were reported by multiple pilots and witnesses, so that makes their accounts more credible as to right. being like, you know, not uh not just one guy's story. Yeah. And there's th- according to ancient astronaut believers or UFO people, I guess is isn't really this is this is a ancient but yeah but like the idea is that that there's not a lot of great compelling natural explanations to what this could be so some are like saying that either this is aliens or some sort of high-tech hidden technology and that the military is just covering it up so that's like the 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 long short end of like what people are t- are, are trying to claim as the foo fighter gotcha. phenomenon
1: gotcha all right so just so foo so foo fighters are just like is this just like a different is this like a different just word for like ufo basically it's basically like i
0: was basically a term for ufo before the term ufo existed gotcha
1: all right so just like weird stuff in the weird flying things in the sky that can change color and shape and like fly around in weird patterns and <laughs> things we don't know yeah. what they are
0: yeah if you want to solidify it all together uh, Foo Fighters is essentially people who spotted especially fighter pilots spotting what they think are UFOs in world during World War II uh, and uh, basically fitting that whole description of um, like what it is yeah and there's still debate to this day as to what they are so I'm going to get into a little bit of all of that uh, especially getting into some context
1: about what the Foo Fighters are and what you said you said the magic word for me. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I think that uh, when I read over the arguments and everything like that, I came to the conclusion that um, understanding the context of what's going on here and will give you a better idea as to why people might have seen something like this. And uh, it will, to me, even if we don't have a perfect natural explanation, give you at least a few things that are at least more compelling than, again, as I seem to say every episode, that somehow uh, an alien species has figured out how to travel faster than the fastest possible speed in the universe and decided to dedicate centuries millennia of time to travel the vast oceans of space between wherever they're from and our mm-hmm. sun and the only thing that they decided to do when they got here is just kind of zip around and look at stuff
1: yeah my little tourists are just like yeah. oh this is earth huh Why? Wow. It's a lot of a pe- lot of people just zipping around. Got That's their little fun. Especially it's like during World War Two. They're like, oh look, they're putting on a little show. What's all this about? Oh, this is fun. Oh look at them. They're like fighting. That's cute. What's interesting about that actually is um this
0: does give me some memories of oh this is gonna get some spice Um, Uh a a book series that is very popular in extremely niche circles but I have tried to read like three times and it is just unreadable to me and that is uh, an alternate history novel series by Harry Turtledove who is like the biggest alternate history author where aliens invade the earth during World War II okay like in the middle of World War II right, but the aliens are from like a species that uh, does not believe in like like they're very traditional and their technology develops very slowly so the last time they saw humans they saw like medieval knights and they're like "Oh, these guys are going to be pushovers and then they show up and all of a sudden they're like the technology of humans has advanced huge amounts in like the 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 short amount of time in their minds that they're like what the hell and then as they attack world war two first of all uh, the very problematic thing of the the, as a necessity to fight the aliens the axis and the allies put aside their differences to fight the aliens you know Um, (laughs) The cover of one of the books of the series is like Hitler and Stalin and Winston Churchill and Uh uh, FDR like in a room together plotting to fight against the aliens. And I'm like, "Mm, mm -mm,
1: mm -mm. wow, no good. Wow. This has this has Watchmen vibes a little
0: bit. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So the aliens uh, invade and uh, there's like multiple books about this. This is the problem with alternate history for the most part is that um, the books tend to be more fun to hear about than to actually read because Uh, the book i'm talking about has like 20 plus pov characters
1: and at least one of them is a baseball player for some reason so does he hit a home run that hits an alien spaceship and has it come crashing to the ground because that would be fun I don't know because I can never get more than a 100 pages into it. I want to read a story where it's Sandlot but with aliens. Everyone, give me that story. (laughs) Sandlot with aliens? Yeah. Which one's Sandlot? Sandlot? No. Senlot's the one with James Earl Jones. Uh and it's it's like all the kids and they want and they try to get the ball back from the big dog. Aliens in the outfield. That's something. Yeah. We could do something with that. The episode of D Space Nine where they fight uh
0: where what's it called? Where they do baseball? There's a baseball episode of D Space Nine. Oh, that's
1: fun. Yeah.
0: We're in the middle of an intergalactic war. They um the cast of D Space Nine goes into a football competition against or sorry, a baseball competition against a guy that Captain Cisco met in like commander school who like basically thought he was dumb because it was a human because the other guy was a falcon and so they they do uh. have, they do a whole baseball tournament against the uh, this other team it's a great it's the great it's one of the greatest episodes of do space anyway fantastic um so that was my whole, we're getting distracted yeah, that was my whole thing about um the book in the balance and about alternate history so uh anyways the foo fighter happened at foo fighter phenomenon happened at the the peak of the second world war uh thing you might have heard about um and was reported by both members of the Axis and Allies, which means that two sides of the war that weren't necessarily talking to each other were reporting on events going on uh, that worked. They were given the name Foo Fighters, by the americans okay this is my question what does it mean the country that that called films movies because the pictures move um gave them the nickname Uh foo fighters because um this is this is wild it actually kind of touches into scott's territory yeah okay so there's there was this comic strip by bill holman called uh smoky stover okay and in that there was a term called just like foo there's like a foo character that was just like a sort of uh word used by holman in the comic strips to reference Mm -hmm. things that were strange or unusual and this comic strip was really popular to the point where people were actually painting uh, pictures of uh, Smokey Stover and a character called Spooky on the nose of their airplanes, kind of like on bomber aircraft. What, you've, seen, you've seen that kind of thing and like, you know. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I guess because that's a term for things that are strange or unusual, that that's where the nickname Foo came from for Foo Fighters.
1: That's interesting. I've never heard of this. I'm, a com- I'm, you know, I'm more of a comic book guy than a comic strip guy, but I got to admit, comic strips... A lot of fun history there, and they were really popular in the '40s too. Absolutely, uh, long before Garfield at this point. Yeah, I was gonna say there's no comic books really at this point because yeah, they didn't really they weren't around until. 30. World War II was like happening 37? by then. This, yeah. yeah. This, is, ni- this yeah. is the 1940s. So they're, they're, Superman oh. firmly exists. For, Superman exists. Captain America it. was
0: literally made as propaganda during this war, if I remember correctly. So there, there are comic books, just they're like, you know, 10 cent things that eight year olds buy. So that's like, keep in mind, like huge deal uh, for those who don't know, which might be because uh, Americans only really get half of the story here. But World War II was basically um, the largest war in human history uh, before or since. Hopefully for a long time, that is the case. It began in 1939 when the German Republic, which was under the fascist rule of Adolf Hitler, invaded Poland. Uh, The war then quickly spread through Europe and uh, eventually engulfed the entire world more or less 2 years later after uh, cuz the war started in September of 1939 2 years later in December of 1941 the japanese which were running out of uh oil to uh fight the war effort against the chinese and the british in mainland china uh were reacted to the americans cutting off their uh trade with japan for oil supplies by trying to quickly knock the united states out of trying to take a side of the war by bombing pearl harbor uh, and got very much the opposite reaction. <laughs> Their whole idea was if they like just destroyed the American Pacific fleet, uh, that America, which was already uh, at this point neutral in the war, would back off. I say neutral. They were not that neutral. They just weren't actively fighting. But either way, it right. resulted in the United States declaring war on the emperor of Japan and at the What's... same
1: time also uh, getting involved in uh, Europe. And yeah. But now the... it's our problem. There is that. You ever watch? I always think of that robot chicken sketch. you know what I'm talking about? Where they're it's it's like all the countries are represented as like kids in a like elementary school classroom. Oh, and like yeah, all Europe's, all the countries in Europe are like fighting and America's like, it's not my problem. And then, yeah, like the the kid representing Japan, like knocked, like spills his milk or something. He's like, now it's my problem. Oh, I think I have seen that. But yeah. you, you, you
0: knocked loose a very, very old memory there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one of the things about this war that I think is important to note, especially for this situation, is that World War II saw levels of destruction on a scale that we can't even comprehend today. Um, Furthermore, during the war, as there was a constant struggle to economically and technologically defeat the opponents, basically every side of the war was rapidly trying to develop and produce new and more powerful weapons of war, including the war ending with America developing the most destructive weapon
1: of war ever conceived. Um, A baseball player who could hit alien craft out of the sky. Only America could think of it. He was from Manhattan. That's why they called
0: it the Manhattan Project. (laughs) Um, But one of the things that's important for understanding in this situation is that it was one of the big uh, wars that used for the first time... shouldn't say for the first time for some of these, but at least extremely developed a lot of these technologies uh, that have to do with radar and radio mm-hmm. and like lots of communication technologies. Because the last big war, World War One, ended in 1918. And in 1918, radio was nowhere close to where it needed to be to be like a mass use of communication. I think there were still telegraph lines and stuff like that during that war. Yeah, and put like wires down and such.
1: Yeah. yeah. So this
0: is the first war that has radar tracking, that has radio communication and uh just every it seemed like every other month there was some new weapon that was coming off of the uh assembly line in one country or the other not as much as oh, world war one but still which world war one started like two years after the wright brothers and then ended with like fighter planes so oh my way, gosh way bigger deal but uh either ways uh it means that technology technology especially in aviation was in a rapid state of development uh including radar uh and use to detect enemy aircraft in ships and communication. Uh, the military also were thinking of we're basically inventing new planes and stuff like that that were faster and more maneuverable over and over again. So we were like mm-hmm. every other month seeing a new airplane that could move faster, maneuver faster than anything that had ever been seen before. Which, you know, then when you see uh, that the Foo Fighters, when people are seeing Foo Fighters, they might be like thinking like, oh, this is like just the next step because we keep seeing these new step-ups in in technology over and over again. So these might be right. that this is just be the new thing that people are putting out.
1: This is it. Yeah. yeah.
0: Also important to mention is uh, for very notable reasons, the pilots, a lot of them who saw Foo Fighters were under what I could only call extreme amounts of
1: stress and uh, different huh. anxiety because they were literally doing a war. They were doing a war and they were in the air, which is a place where humans are not meant to be naturally.
0: Yeah. Think about it. you're. Uh, in the air uh, getting shot at while trying to do Mm -hmm. maneuvers in a plane that was invented like four months ago. It's like, yeah, you're, you're, there's a lot going on first. And also a lot of the times that Foo Fighters were observed was in the dark or in bad weather, which can also affect the way that you perceive and interpret what you're seeing. Yeah, that makes sense. Most of the Foo Fighter sightings were reported over Europe and the Pacific, but there's others that were seen in many other places. Like there was a lot of fighting in North Africa where some was seen. Um, the phenomenon was right, widespread, but mostly concentrated in air battles, which was, um, you know, basically airplanes fighting other airplanes.
1: Yeah, I've seen Top Gun. So that's sort of the situation. So technology uh, specifically
0: plays a big role. And I, I know we were hammering on this, but um, there's a lot of stuff going on when it comes to radio communication and being able to beam things down to people to tell people about what's going on. Lots of coordination, yeah. faster response times it also means you you could report on things you saw quicker and say, you know, rationalize or think less about what it is you saw so people can. OK, I have to think about it This think about it in a way that um, that can make complete sense. Yeah. So because in, in some ways, this is a form of communication that we are very used to and something that will be hard to convey because of norms. So like right now we're on the Internet, we are talking with probably like uh, oh, yeah. less than a We've second of fiber. delay across thousands of kilometers or not thousands, like hundreds of kilometers, probably over a thousand thousand kilometers you're we're we're like on very different parts of the continent that is wild if you really think about it from uh, a technological point of view now during World War II uh, using like radio had been used in the past like you know radio like 1930s there was already like radios in most people's homes but um, in the sort of chaos of war that sort of instant level of logistics is uh, you know it's still new it's still novel in some capacity and in the past if you saw something weird, you had time to maybe check something out or think about what you saw before you went back and told your story about what happened. If you are in an airplane with a built-in radio, you don't have to land before you report on the thing you saw, you can just call it in. That's right. And even if you, you know, think about it and recant and retell your story later, at that time, that like sort of thinking of like, oh, like you're just talking about what you saw in the moment, you're kind of talking off the cuff or whatever, that does wasn't uh that that was less of a thing that people had internalized yet and so it had been taken you know more seriously than maybe it should have like if you're saying oh i'm seeing lights this and it's moving in a strange way and then five minutes later be like oh it's just this that part doesn't seem to make it into things because that part
1: doesn't make it in it's the initial like something weird's happening man and everyone's like all right uh-huh. drop that down never mind it was just i got a flare from the the sun reflected off the glass and it just made it look weird and it's like all right we don't have to include that part just keep the weird part in that yeah. was cool
0: another thing too to also add to these sort of alien new technologies that people were seeing at the time not only were planes getting more powerful but like the very things that were being used to propel stuff were changing. World War II saw the first jet engines which like before uh-huh. then propellers were what we were using, what airplanes were using so jets are also another thing. Germany also um, developed the first rockets uh, and like the first like rocket
1: missiles and stuff like that. Goodness. so A lot of stuff's happening. So there's a lot of stuff in the sky that looks weird um, and it's not A lot could... of people making stuff for some reason. A lot of people mm-hmm. making like really powerful like weaponized things for some reason. Yeah exactly.
0: So basically people pilots were seeing all sorts of new stuff under a lot of stress and bad conditions and then reported seeing strange things and as you know ideas can be contagious. So if people are hearing reports of seeing strange things in the skies and there's also just a lot of strange things in the sky because a war is happening and people are developing a lot of new aircraft technology. Uh uh then
1: You might see some interesting stuff and everyone's going to exaggerate. I mean I also feel like this too like people are going if 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 you and i are fighter pilot buddies yep um which we would be in another life i guarantee it if you saw something strange in the sky there would be a part of me that would also that would almost want to try to one-up you a little bit too and be like yeah well i saw two of the i saw this happen and it was even weirder than what you saw i saw two of them and they were dancing so Mm -hmm. think about that
0: Also keep in mind that like a lot of the people and this now that we're you know older people well a lot of the people fighting this war were like eighteen to twenty two (laughs) right like that's true so there were people that is hard to (laughs) hard to imagine so like a lot of those people flying those airplanes that were seeing weird things first of all learned to become pilots like less than a year ago and were like you know juniors in university today
1: (laughs) uh huh uh huh oh goodness and
0: many of them like in America could not drink today. And also, it got picked up by the media. And weirdly enough, as this always happens, once it got picked up by the media, people started seeing them a lot more often. Uh, That's so strange. That that hardly ever happens. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people apparently didn't report these at first because they thought that they were going to be uh considered like mentally unstable and unreliable because giving like actually recognizing that people can have mental breaks was sort of a new thing in the military at this time right Um, right they didn't just like in world war one assume that you were weak and just like (laughs) tell you to man (laughs) up and get to the front type thing um and uh also that uh that people were on the lookout for experimental aircraft and stuff like that so yeah yeah, of course yeah and they had just learned how to fly yeah 100 um, so that's all of the sort of sketchy context that it can show that there is a lot of room for non-alien explanations to possibly explain all of the foo fighter phenomenon uh-huh but then there's uh then we like look into like what these things could be and so after the war there was an investigation into the phenomenon and uh this investigation was done by the usaf or the US Air Force and Europe's intelligence in 1945. And the research included former members of the Luftwaffe, which is which was the German Air Force. Gotcha. And with this group of scientists and engineers looking into this balls of fire phenomenon, they were trying to figure out whether or not there were basically secret German aircraft uh, projects that they just weren't finding. And they basically tried to find an answer, but they found no secret weapons program. And at that point, they sort of just said, "Okay, we can't explain what the sightings were based on that um because during the war there was this wartime theory and it was revived a little bit later by an author named renato vesco that the foo fighters were a secret nazi weapon um that was sort of like a It's, it's a weird thing called the, 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 the foyer ball, which was supposed to be kind of like an air mine. Foyer ball.
1: Okay. Um,
0: so basically what it would be is like a jet propelled flak mine that would launch from the ground and intercept airplanes. So it would detect air enemy flight enemies flying over top and then fire this like rocket propelled mine basically up into the sky to explode. And that's what he thought it was like a secret Nazi program to intercept planes
1: like that. Gotcha. Why is it? It's I so many of these theories that we talk about always come back to this like secret Nazi weapon it was a secret Nazi weapon everyone well, the Nazis did have a lot of secret weapons as I mentioned earlier
0: uh, in earlier episodes of the show that there was the Wunderwaffen program uh, which was like their desperate attempt to develop new technologies with like stuff they had left over in order to make uh, something that would be like an ace in the hole so that they could turn the war around but the V2 rocket program which was headed by uh, Dr. Werner von Braun who used slave labor to build uh, the first rocket propelled missiles that were used to attack uh, I think they were used to attack England mostly and and then he went off to become the head of NASA um, fun stuff awesome yeah fun fun stuff um, so there there was like a, like the reason why people latch on to it is because there was a bit of it going on but of course people's imaginations sure. ran wild um, they did have an Adam Waffen yeah. program where they were trying to develop a nuclear bomb but they abandoned it very early on um, so according to the theory though Vesco says that um that the that special SS units had these 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 foyer balls which is the German word for fireball <laughs> okay um that were sort of uh uh tortoise shell shaped things so basically like blue shells they were they they were loading cannons with blue shells uh from Mario Kart and firing them to at nice at things um and uh because of them they would basically have uh what are called klystron tubes inside the device that would use gas jets and cause it to look like a glowing sphere.
1: Oh, looking a little bit like a little, uh, like a Foo Fighter. Mm-hmm.
0: And then also had instructions and sensor mechanisms to basically, uh, depart quickly if it was fired upon. And so what it would do is sort of distract and disrupt
1: bomber pilots. Oh, so it wasn't like a, it was just a distraction. Yeah. Sort of a thing.
0: Okay. So the, the, those are the two, like it's sort of, we're kind of running into two theories. So either it's like, these are like, bl- uh, glowing things to distract, uh, bombers, so they don't drop their bombs and
1: stuff, or they were air mines. I like the and I know that there's a better explanation, but I like the idea of the bombers just having like um like the a very low attention span where it's like all right I'm gonna go Ooh, shiny yeah exactly <laughs> it's like I'm gonna go bomb this oh what's this it's like hold the... on one second everyone yeah. I gotta check this out this, this looks fun from up. squirrel yeah
0: <laughs> yeah so that is uh that is one explanation that people believe that it's some sort of weapon like this there's no evidence for any of these things existing but you know um okay. it's a explanation. That isn't aliens, and it isn't like the most ridiculous technology. Like it's plausible, but like there's no evidence that makes people think that it actually existed. Another example would be, and this is a, this is one that shows up quite a bit uh, in the research, is that it's something called uh, Saint Elmo's fire, which uh, is something that wasn't seen a whole lot before airplanes started becoming a thing. I mean, they, they were they were seen on like ships and stuff like that. But basically, it's this. This was going to show up on this show at some point. Saint Elmo's fire. It is. Uh, or it's sometimes called witch's fire or witch fire. Yeah. And it's basically uh, a phenomenon where uh, there's, um, like during a storm or something like that, when there is a uh, displacement between the electrical charges, there can be this, this like kind of ball of luminous plasma that creates a, uh, a corona, especially if it's near something that's mast shaped, like say an antenna or uh, the mass of a ship or a spire or a chimney or even an animal horn. Mm-hmm. And uh, oftentimes it's seen on the leading edges of airplanes which you know a lot of these pilots who are flying planes that they had never flown before uh might have might have seen things like that oftentimes it's uh oftentimes there's a hissing or a buzzing sound being heard around it as well uh-huh and typically happens during either thunderstorms or volcanic eruptions but it can happen in a lot of different places and this is not like this is not like ball lightning this is a reproducible and demonstrated like in a lab type of phenomenon so got gotcha. you can google image search saint emil's fire and you will see like real cases
1: of it y- and if you also google and if you google search saint emil's fire you will also hopefully get uh that kick-ass song saint emil's fire you know what i'm talking about i don't know that song you don't know that song no classic like i want to say 80s yeah 85. It's one of those like motivational songs, you know, like a motivational 80s montage song. Ah. It's so good. Like, let me just... Because I, I wonder what they were talking about. I was like, I don't know what St. Elmo's Fire is, but this is a good song. Uh, and it's, it's, it talks a lot about the sky. So I wonder if, that, if it ties into anything. Probably. I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. Yeah, that's a good song.
0: Yeah, and like I said, in the past, like in history, St. Elmo's Fire was associated with ships because often it would be seen on the masts of old sailing ships. Heck yeah. Um, And yeah, so basically what it does is there's an electrical field being built up around it, and that causes the air molecules to ionize and make them glow. Nature's wild. Yeah. It turns out, we're learning through this podcast and a lot of UFO claims that there's a lot of weird stuff that can happen in the sky. And There's a lot of atmospheric
1: phenomenon <laughs> out there. Of, there's a lot of weird stuff that just happens naturally and, mm-hmm. and it's just wild.
0: Yeah. And uh, they were claiming like, oh, it can't be St. Elmo's fire because it's moving too fast. But you know what else was moving faster than anybody had anticipated at that time? All of the new airplanes that people were only barely able to recognize that were doing all sorts of That's wild true. stuff. So if you could imagine like at this is another part too is that it could move faster than you think because if it's at the tip of like the wing of an airplane right and if you think about it mm-hmm. like a wing like the tip of a wing of an airplane will uh, if if there's something glowing on the edge of it and it's like maneuvering it'll look like it's moving faster than the airplane actually is moving because you
1: know it's it's like a yeah. further away type thing yeah, yeah yeah that makes sense and also there
0: are people who have claimed that it could also sound a lot like ball lightning which again is not a phenomenon that is necessarily untrue it's just with There's lots of references to it, of seeing something that is like a spherical object that glows, um, typically associated with thunderstorms, but it's never been reproduced in a lab. But it's not... So it's not not a thing, but we just haven't been able to demonstrate what it is. Yeah, we've talked about it a few times before. Mm -hmm. Also, uh, there was an interesting study in 1945 that also might come to the beginning of a conclusion of what this could be, and that is that the Navy started to experiment on uh, nighttime aviators and specifically the um, seeing of visual illusions, because apparently a lot of these pilots, especially at nighttime, were experiencing acute vertigo, which is a term for when somebody uh, has the sensation of movement or of surrounding objects moving when they're not. So it could be that they're seeing these things moving, or feeling like they're moving faster than they are because they're experiencing vertigo, which was a phenomenon that was happening with pilots flying at night. Vertigo can also be associated with nausea, with vomiting, sweating, problems walking. Uh, So that's sort of like, it's, it's, it's dizziness um yeah i experienced a pretty strong case of this last weekend because i tried vr for the first time oh no i tried vr for no no, no, it was it wasn't bad but like i tried vr for the first time and one of the last things i did right before it stopped was like a sort of simulated uh roller coaster ride and the vr session ended right in the middle of a roller coaster ride and so it just Turned off right away, and then it came off, and I was just like, "Whoa, whoa!" It's like it was like no, 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 you know no, that no,
1: feeling like when it feels like you're moving but you're not. Oh, a hundred percent. I was about to say my worst experience with vertigo was many years ago. I was sick with something, who knows? But I went to the doctors, and they gave me like a some sort of steroid shot to, to try and, I guess, get my, get my system back in order. And like immediately, like a minute later, I was just, I had the worst case of like vertigo I've ever had. Like I was, I was nauseous. I tried to like stand up and literally, I was, it was like a cartoon. Like I was seeing lights around me, like dance around my head. And I was just like, I, what is happening? And I like fell over. Cause I just couldn't figure out what, which way it was up. So you could imagine if you were flying
0: an airplane and then you were experiencing some form of that, that you might see something that you could identify as a UFO? Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. I, and so like that is that's the one explanation that, you know, it's just a very normal physical humans don't belong in the sky. Humans like We don't belong there. That's not our place. Our brains did not evolve to um fly fighter planes. <laughs> so uh-uh. yeah. So yeah, there's gonna be a lot of stuff. And furthermore, uh, and this is this is uh interesting, is that there's also possibly psychological reasons. people might have hallucinated things like that which is uh, so there was in in this study there was a person by the name of Dr. Edgar Vernacki who uh, was the flight psychologist on the same project and came to the idea that on top of the vertigo basically saying that pilots don't have sufficient information about phenomena of disorientation and as a corollary are given considerable disorganized incomplete and inaccurate information they are largely dependent on their own experience which must supplement and and interpret the traditions about vertigo which are passed on to them. When a concept thus grows out of anecdotes cemented together with practical necessity, it's bound to acquire elements of mystery. As far as vertigo is concerned, no one really knows more than a small part of the facts, but a great deal of apparel. Since aviators are not skilled observers of human behavior, they usually have only the vaguest understanding of their own feelings, like other naive persons. Therefore, they have simply adopted a term to cover a multitude of otherwise inexplicable events which means that a lot of like it could be that a lot of the Foo Fighter phenomenon is that not only were they experiencing vertigo but they don't have a good culture of language of teaching people that this is a thing that could happen to you and right um, and so they were experiencing this, and the only real way that they could understand what was happening to them is through just their own experience because they weren't taught how to take care of it. And pilots aren't, you know, students of human behavior. And so, like, they didn't think to teach people that, oh, you might experience this sort of thing. And so then they might have, like, interpreted it as, like, oh, yeah, I saw flying objects because, like, they don't understand that, you know, that's a thing that they could experience on the job. Yeah. And so that is another thing. And also, they came to the conclusion that it might be something called combat fatigue, which is um, okay. a term during. World War II. Um, and luckily it's better understood today, but that the impacts of war and combat on service members can cause a multitude of weird physiological oh. and psychological issues. Today, combat yeah. fatigue is called post-traumatic stress disorder. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, 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 yeah,
0: And as I mentioned, during World War One, it was called shell shock, and they were basically considered a form of cowardice, and you were just sent back to the front lines if you were uh if you were brought down with it unless like you completely shut down. Um, World War One, Great War, did so many great things to people. Um, but yeah. But during World War II, they did start to acknowledge that it, there was a thing going on with people that did develop into sort of an understanding of PTSD as it is today. And you can imagine, again, PTSD is also known with uh, flashbacks and uh, hallucinations and stuff like that if it's a very, very acute. And, um, and yeah, so it could also be that war was messing with people's heads because if you think about it, if you're a fighter pilot who is regularly coming in close calls with death in the sky, possibly a trigger of PT or triggering your PT. PTSD and seeing things in the sky that, like, you know, you're trained to be terrified when you see those kinds of things could be a could be a phenomenon, right? Oh, yeah. PTSD is all about um reliving traumatic things in your life. And if you are regularly experiencing combat while in the you know cockpit of a fighter plane, then those kinds of things could come up to like trigger your PTSD. Absolutely. A hundred percent. All of those sound like much more logical explanation. And also could you could be you have PTSD, you have that sort of little bit of vertigo yeah, see some combo. spots and it triggers yeah. that you're like you know your PTSD of seeing fast moving objects around you in an airplane and all of a sudden you've like you can see it. there's a lot of reasons why and, and also keep in mind that those sorts of experiences are happening on both sides of the war you know Japanese fighter pilots are also getting vertigo and they're also getting PTSD German fighter pilots right. do and uh same with American you know every side of the every side of the war was fought by people and people experience these kinds of phenomena absolutely
1: yeah there's a lot a lot of a lot of those reasons do yeah i mean just pile them on top of each other and yeah i mean it makes a little bit to me it makes more sense and also just
0: keep in mind that it's a very chaotic situation where a lot of new things are being seen all the time too yeah and so while there's no like there probably isn't one explanation as to what foo fighters are but is a combination of people seeing strange things through these variable different ways that
1: uh that it could happen yeah and not having, the, and as you were saying, not having the language to, to really describe what it is or understand what it, what it is necessarily. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And furthermore, uh, I mentioned that whole thing about new technology with tracking and stuff like that. And one of the things that the Foo Fighters did not do is show up on radar. Um, it's all of them come huh. from... Eyewitness accounts, and as we establish in my UAP episode, although uh, we have a lot of corrections to talk about with the UAP episode, um, one of the things that does give some of them more credibility is that they were observed on multiple different measurement tools. And if the UA- if these Foo Fighters had been seen on radar, which did exist, it would have been a bit more um, credible. But they were not. But they did not. No. And it wasn't until the 1950s that we actually developed technology that could be resistant to radar, although. I guess you could just write that off as, you know, aliens. They have aliens radar are to radar. Yeah. Yeah. And again, um, there was an attempt to try and explain what everything was. Uh, in 1953, the CIA put together a panel to try and explain what it was. But at the end of the day, they came to no official conclusion as to what it could be. My explanation is that it's a variety of things based on new technology, stressful situations, and just a lot of stuff in the air uh, without others knowing. Because if you think about it during war, you know, you don't have flight plans of where the germans are going to be doing their bombing runs so you don't know what's going to be up in the sky where and when and then as the foo fighter idea started to become a media phenomenon people started to shape their stories around the common attributes seen in the media reports so what is in some cases vertigo what is in some cases saint elmo's fire uh, or bombs or rockets or flak or whatever all gets lumped into one category and a narrative
1: starts getting built around it and again has way fewer assumptions than faster than light travel Very much so. And so I think, at the end of this... I can see a new horizon underneath the blazing sky. I'll be where the eagle's flying, higher and higher. That's the li- that's, that's the, the lyric St. Elmo's Fire Saint, song. song. Gonna be a man in motion. All I need is a pair of wheels. Take me where my future's lying. St. Elmo's Fire.
0: That's the, that's what it is. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you for the, the your poem today. I wrote it myself. Yeah. Um, you know where we can find more poetry by Scott? It's at ProbsNotAliens on Twitter. <laughs> there I just set you up for some very fun tweets. How about this?
1: Send us your best poems. Send us your best, uh, what's it called? Give Foo us a haiku. related poem. Give us a Foo Fighter haiku. A haiku fighter. Haiku fighter? Yeah, there you go. At ProbsNotAliens on Twitter and Instagram. Got to post there more. Mm-hmm. You can send us topics to talk about by DMing us on Instagram. How about that? Yeah. More engagement. Do it that up. That sounds fun. Tristan, where can people find you outside of this show? I make a YouTube
0: channel called Step Back where I talk about the past and why and basically use the past to talk about uh understanding the world as it is today to maybe make a better tomorrow. Use the past to talk about the present to make a better tomorrow. There you go. There's a tagline. That's a good tagline. Yeah. Uh my recent video is on the long and deep history of trans people and I'm very very proud of it and um by the time this episode should be airing, it should be out. It's already out on Nebula, but it should be out everywhere. Now Scott, if I wanted to learn about why the new Minty Kaling uh, show, oh, no. Thelma, is not good, but at the same time also wanted to just completely break down in tears over the uh-huh. creative process in, say, a Miyazaki film, where yeah. would I go to get that specific combination of very eclectic That's videos? a wild
1: combo, and no one else has the balls to do it except for me. Uh on my YouTube channel Nerd Sync, N E R D S Y N C, I made a video about Whisper of the Heart, which is one of my favorite Studio Ghibli films with my partner Emily. Uh we did it together and then that didn't get many views. So then I inst- I turned around and I made a review of the f- first two episodes of the, the new HBO show Velma because I'm a big Scooby Doo fan and that got a ton of views. And so I used it to plug the Whisper of the Heart video. Now that video is doing a lot better. The so Whisper of the Heart I actually did whisper yeah. the heart video is genuinely like one of the best nerdsing videos so watch it thank you they are both good videos in their own right i had a lot of fun making both of them uh go check it out thank you to everyone who wrote rev- uh, who, who writes reviews of this show on apple podcasts and leaves ratings on spotify it really does help us out and just yeah tell tell your friends about the show tell your friends Listen. do you have friends tristan how no. many friends have you told about the show I have actually several friends who listen to the podcast and tell me about it regularly, so I guess enough. Excellent. That's great. And a great place to send people is propsnotaliens.com. That's where we got links to everywhere where you can listen to this show. And of course, reminder, you can also listen to the show one episode earlier on Nebula uh, as soon as I get that, as soon as I get back to editing, because I'm moving. Excellent. Well, Scott, I
0: feel like this has been a great one, but that's all for now. Until next time, I'm Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Whoa, whoa probably
1: Oh no he's got vertigo. yeah that was my vertigo. Don't throw up on the microphone. it's a nice microphone. It is it's nice. Hello hello microphone